It's really, really uh, important, I think, is to understand how important it is to feel good in yourself. And that happens when you're just not toxic. It's the only way to say it. Welcome to Forever Young, the health and well-being podcast from Lanzerhof. My name is Mario Pedazzoli, and in every episode, join me in conversation with a variety of health experts and special guests as we explore what it means to live well. We may not find the secret to eternal youth, but join me on our quest as we explore just what it means to live a balanced, healthy and happy life. Hello again and welcome. So far in Forever Young, we have been in conversation with a great number of health and medical experts in their field, with topics ranging from fasting to cryotherapy, from vitamin infusions to mental health. Now, along the way, we will also speak to those who have committed to making healthier choices in order to improve their own quality of life, effectively taking control of their own well-being. So how do they feel as a result? How has their body thanked them? And what have they learned about themselves? Well, one such person is my very special guest today, who I am very excited to introduce. She is simply one of the UK's finest and most respected female singers, with a career full of top 10 hits and a voice with incredible range, power and pure soul. And if that's not enough, she's also an accomplished actress on the West End stage and our TV screens, a TV presenter and radio host. She's cringing here. The list goes on. It's a stellar career uh, that was recognised last year with an MBE for services to music, entertainment and charity. Well, I think I've embarrassed her enough. Um, welcome to the show, Misha Paris. <laughs> Hi, Mario. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, pleasure's mine. Um, how are you today? Well, I've just had an amazing workout with Eduardo and I feel fantastic. I mean, the thing is, it's when you have that attention to detail with someone you, who knows your body and knows what your body needs without you having to say anything, it's mm. just great. And I come out of that session, even though I'm completely exhausted before I get there, I'm energised after. So look, I'm really good. I can see. And actually, <laughs> on a health and well-being podcast, I think you've proved the point, uh, you know, having finished a gym workout. And it's nice to give Eduardo a name check. I know you enjoy trying uh, He's him. great. Um, so let's see where this talk takes us. But, you know, we're going to be looking at your lifestyle and your approach to keeping fit and well. And, and obviously that will overlap, I'm sure, into your career as well. Mm. Um but just even from our introduction, um, it's fair to say you're one of life's busy people. Um, so, yes. How has your relationship with health and fitness changed over time? Oh, that's a good question. It's really changed because before how it was, I used to um, always just try and like stay fit before an album cover shoot. When I knew I had an album cover shoot to do, I probably wouldn't eat for like four days and uh, just coffee, 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 coffee. And, uh, you know, that's what I did. And, you know, that's when you're, you know, you're young and silly. And then as you get older, that's not going to work. Mm. So basically what started to happen, especially when I started doing theatre, but I started doing theatre about 20 years ago because I've my career is like 34 years now. But theatre was about 20 and that's eight shows a week. So the minute mm, I started, punishing. yeah, it's punishing. And then you've got two shows on a Wednesday and two, you know, the matinees, right? Mm. So there's just no way that no eating for a few days is going to cut it. Right? If <laughs> so, anything, that's going to make it worse. It's right? a nightmare. Yeah. So what I started to do um, in the daytime when you don't have a show, I started to make sure that I was training in the daytime. 
so that by the evening I was ready for the show. Mm. And that's kind of like where it sort of kicked off. It was like 20 odd years ago, I definitely just changed my whole routine because it wasn't working. It's okay with an album. Mm. When you make an album, right, you look great for the album shoe and you look fantastic and then you can chill out a little bit afterwards and then you didn't get fit again because you got the tour, right? But <laughs> so you've it's got cyclical. Those, it's almost, cyclical, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you've got like these moments in between, you know, a couple of months you can chill in between. Yeah. But honey, when it's a theatre... Uh-uh. There's none of that. No, no. It's, it's just every day you've got to be on it. Did and, someone coach yeah. you on that or did you work that out for yourself? Well, it was it was hard work. It was uh, the first uh, month I was in the show. Suddenly I was knackered. Mm. My voice was exhausted. Mm. And I, um, I basically worked out that um, I, had a, I had a trainer, you know, who would come in. And I noticed every time I ran with him, my voice was on fire. Like, I mean, you know, my voice is always there, but it was tired before I started running before a show. Mm. So then I started to realise every time I run before a show, my voice is on fire. (laughs) So I was like, I need to always do this. And that's what I've done. So all these years, that's literally what I do. I always train before a show. And it puts you in a good mood. It really puts you. And and, well, you know what it is? You can internalise so much stress in your mind. And if you haven't got something to just burn it out, which is running, just training and pushing your body, Mm. it takes all of that internal pressure out. And Mm. that's why I love it. Um, So, you know, even if I'm angry with, I don't know, someone, an accountant or somebody, it's usually an accountant, isn't it? And, uh, you know. (laughs) Apologies to accountants. Yeah, love you everywhere. (laughs) God bless you. But they're not my accountants. So that's something else. But, you know, when I'm angry with them or a lawyer or something, it's it's something, some business. It's Mm. usually business. Something frustrates you. You know, the minute I go in the gym, I'm literally on that treadmill and I'm thinking about Mm. that person that's driving me nuts. By the time I'm finished, it's gone. (laughs) It's gone. Totally gone. Yes. It's over. I think a lot of us can relate to that, the the feel-good factor of of, of exercise and the mental benefits that come with it as well. Yeah, and also, you know, the sleep as well. Mm. I'm never really a good sleeper. I literally, five hours, I'm good, you know? Mm. And um, when you work out, you relax more. Yeah. Because your body wants to relax. Because yes. you've taken that stress off, which mm. is good. So there's lots of benefits. It's it's not just for the show. It's mm. also the the emotional factor, the, the the feeling, the stress thing in work can be very taxing when you've got lots of things going on. For me, I'm, I have multiple careers at the same time. Yes. And that is a juggling thing. So if I don't have chill time in between, yes. workout chill time, yes, I can't juggle all those things. Guessing that balance, you can do it and stress it can be good, but you've got to get the balance. You really have to get it right. Yes. And, you know, also you do have to have a little team. And I do have a little team as well. <laughs> uh, that's the only way I'm sure you need a team of support yeah, network yeah. around you. Yeah, just to keep it, you know, just to make sure the diary works because mm. you know what I'm like. I'll be mm. putting dates in and then <laughs> she's like, no, Mish, you've got that on today. Didn't you realise? <laughs> ah, sorry. So, you know, so I, I yes. do have a little team, but definitely I'm, I'm, I'm a very bubbly person by nature. Yes. But, um, you know, I'm human, you know, so I get those days when I feel really overwhelmed mm. or, you know, I, my daughter didn't take the dog out for a walk and I was at work for crying out loud. The poor dog can't walk himself. You know, you get those days when it's yes. all going off. Oh. And so when, you know, the training just keeps you chilled mm. and calm, nothing is that bad for mm. some reason. I don't know. It's well, weird. as you said, your career is 34 years and counting. Uh, so long. There's another way of putting it, Misha. It's in, you're in your fifth decade. 
Sorry. <laughs> that's, that that's, really that's hurts. Amazing. <laughs> but that's also to be yeah. celebrated, isn't it? it should, because, yeah, yeah, of true. course. Yeah, I'm very, um, I'm very grateful. I'm mm. grateful that people are still interested, Mario. Honestly, <laughs> I'm like, you still like what I do. This is great. But you keep kind of not reinventing yourself, but evolving, I think is probably the right Yeah, I think, it. and I think, you know, it's quite funny because when I look back at in the early days when I used to train mm. and how even that's changed. The way that people train you now is different. Mm. Everything is evolved now. It's not like, you know, like before you would think, oh, no, I've got to go and see the trainer now. Mm. Oh, no. It's a whole different thing now. And I try mm. to tell that to people who say to me, you work out and go to the gym with the trainer. Are you nuts? And I'm like, no, honestly, mm. it's not what it used to be. You know, it was a nightmare, wasn't it? You, yes. It was a chore. It felt like heavy. But there's a whole new way that they train you now. There's mm. a whole, you know, this is why I'm saying it's different. Everything mm. has evolved, not just me. Mm. So I can f sort of fit all these new things into my lifestyle, basically because I'm open to it. Mm. And this is the same with my career. I'm open to trying new things. I always say, if I really make a boo-boo of it, you know, I'll never do it again, like Strictly. But you won't know until you try. Like, I know, like, like Strictly, strictly. yeah. I'll, never again will I do Strictly <laughs> come dancing. It was... It's a great show to watch. Yes. And like foolishly, I thought, oh, this could be quite interesting. <laughs> I always like this kind of show. I'll be fine on it. I was absolutely dreadful. And my dad called me up and he said, he said, you know, Misha, you've got a fantastic voice, but don't dance. That's how bad it was. <laughs> I got kicked out, the second person out. <laughs> Parents tell it to you straight, don't they? I'm they telling you, there's no love there, you know? It's just like, bam. But there was a little compliment in there. It was in there, a little bit. Yeah. But I was focused on the other one. Yeah. Well, at least you did it. And now you know. <laughs> and now you can talk about it. Um, yeah. Well, what works for you and yeah. what advice would you give to our listeners in terms of your approach to health and well-being and so on? So, well, let, let's start with exercise. You've covered a lot of that. But what do you yeah. really look forward to doing and what do you think gives you maximum benefit you know um i think it's it's really a thing like this i think about five years ago i became more intensely involved in looking after myself mm. um it's when you see the results in the way that you feel and the way that you look mm. that's what makes you go because you know that you do get that point you get to that point where you're training and you just started and it's like three months in and you're mm. kind of like, I can't see any benefits. This is this is rubbish. I don't want to do this. You get like that. Mm. But if you just keep at it, seriously, mm. seven, eight months down the road, you look at yourself before and after and mm. you go, oh, my gosh, it's actually working. And that's its own motivation, isn't it? Isn't it going? crazy? Mm. And then you look at your old pictures and go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And and also how you feel. You, you don't blow your fuse so much. You don't. Mm. Things don't annoy you as much. Mm. For some reason, like everything feels like, yeah, it's going to be all right. All right, it's a bit bit rocky today, but you come out the gym and you're like, yeah, rocky. Da -da -da. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's really good. I, I, I say for, for getting older, you can either do two things. You know, you can get really down about getting older or you can really just take hold of it and go, actually, it, actually, yeah, I am yeah. not getting older because mm -hmm. that's not what older means. Older means I know more. No one can make fun of me or do stuff that makes me upset. Mm. I'm in control of this and this is fun. Yeah. 
what a fantastic, perfect attitude to mm-hmm. uh, it can totally. It's you, babe. It. It's because I come uh, here. <laughs> Yeah. So let's talk about, I mean, exercise is one thing, but uh, your nutritional intake and, and yeah. how you eat. Did yeah. you make any conscious choices there? Any changes? Well, I got a nutritionalist about um, 15 years ago mm. and um, she was really good, you know, and I've, you know, I've never been able to locate her again. She was assigned to me for about a week and she came into my house and I never forget it. She walked into my kitchen I thought I thought I was quite healthy, do you know? <laughs> she literally opened the cupboards and threw everything in the bin. No, 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 no. Sugar, 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 sugar. Mm. Wheat, 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 flour, flour, flour. And I was stood there going, oh, <laughs> do you know. But she worked with me for that week and I've never left it. And I've kept the same thing going. So what I do is I, I always have a shake, spirulina shake. I have that like every day. Mm. I have a liter of that a day in a in a right. water bottle. I make my own sort of like shake. Mm. And that spirulina I have that and I don't have um uh flour. You see flour stuff. I kind of stay away from flour Cuts and I yeah, I just I, it just doesn't it just makes you want to go to bed, you know? Mm. But what I find is I I because of this wonderful woman 15 years ago t- taught me that if you just replace it with like massive broccoli and lots of greens and a massive piece of fish. That's how I eat. I mm. literally have like a massive piece of like fish on a bed of like broccoli, monge too, and all of that. Yes. And that's my life. Very healthy. <laughs> I love that. And then soup is really good as mm-hmm. well. So when you get a bit hungry, sometimes you can have soup instead of like going for it. And do you know, you just find if you just eat like that, you can eat as many times in the day when you eat like that. Yes. That's what's crazy. You can eat loads because it's not... It's nutritionally uh, good for you without all the heavy, like, useless carbs that you don't need. It's the right carbs, you know. So I eat like that, really. And I have, like, yogurt and oats in the morning. That's my go-to. Oats in the morning. I love oats. Oats is really good for when you're aging as well. Mm-hmm. Slow um, release energy throughout the I'm day. telling you, honey, that blood sugar thing, it really works. It keeps good. it balanced. And so in the morning, I'll have my oats in the morning. And in the evening, I have my you know, my plate of fish. I'm, I mean, I, it's not a small piece of fish. It's massive. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> huge. And um, I have that with my greens and I'm good. Because I found that with this lady, what she taught me was that when you have a high protein intake, mm. you know, you're fuller for longer. Mm. This is what I learned. And mm. it's so true. So when you have more protein as opposed to everything else, you find that you don't eat as much. It's crazy. So it's perseverance and then developing these great habits. Yeah, and I literally, well, I've got to tell you, you know, when I get, when she threw everything out of the cupboard, <laughs> I literally had, like, I could feel, I had, um, I felt unwell for a few weeks because I gave up sugar. And I literally felt like I was getting ill because I was so used to sugar. <laughs> it's crazy. You can get really mm-hmm. used to sugar, you know, yes, you and it's in everything. So... Mm-hmm. I remember there was this withdrawal. I felt like I was going to die. But she's great. She was, she's, it's, I can't credit myself. It was this fantastic lady that taught so, me all that. Who you've never seen since? Never seen since. And she was, a, she Can did, you give her a name check? We I, can't even I remember her name. I don't remember her name. So whoever like you are. 15 years ago. She was lovely blonde lady. So lovely. There we are. If you're listening. Her name. Bless her. But she was so good. And, <laughs> you know, she taught me you know, the right foods to eat. And it's not that you, you know, you can have, you know, instead of white flour, bread you know I changed it to rye you know I, you know I, these are the things you can just make these little mm. adjustments you know oil try not to cook with oil you it's good to have the dressing mm. but not make it 
But all of these small you know, changes just, all together. It works, you know. And then also every time I work out, I take quite a lot of supplements. You know, I take a lot of like, you know, cod liver oil and mm -hmm. magnesium is very, very important when you get older. Trust me, it's the one because mm -hmm. you don't get aches and pains. It's fabulous. And then, you know, steams. Steams are my life. That is my life. Really? <laughs> I love steams. It's Great. like, well, it just keeps everything fresh. In the skin. It's, it's quite interesting because I was... I was uh, reading something in the Times the other day about uh, Cindy, Cindy uh, Crawford, mm. uh, who's probably one of the most beautiful women in the world. And she said exactly what I say. She lives by the steam. Her steaming is her life. And she looks fabulous. Fantastic. Mm, so, come on, this all sounds too good to be true. Do you have any guilty pleasures? Me? Yeah, yes. yeah, I do. I like a little bit of chocolate. Okay. But it can only be one chocolate, which mm. is lint. That's it. Ah, very good choice. I won't go anywhere. There's no other. Well, you know, I'm quite, I, I have a little bit of an allergy, you know, because I'm, I am allergic to dark chocolate. Mm. I'm allergic to peanuts. Mm. So I, I can only have that milk chocolate lint. That's the only chocolate that I can have that doesn't make me feel sick. Okay. What about <laughs> alcohol? No, I gave that up. I was a big drinker, and Mario, you know, I was. I loved my drink. Okay, mm. that was it. Uh, you know, was it Provence? Anything Provence? I was all over it, and uh, <laughs> it was just <laughs> love it. You know, um, I just, I just think that it could have been lockdown that did it. Could have been. So how, basically, how long have you uh, been well, off alcohol? September. Okay. Till now, mm. what is that? Seven, eight is, months? It, is that eight months eight now? Months. And you know, it's so bizarre. Well, well, you know what happened? The first lockdown, I literally went nuts. I was drinking and I never drank at home. Mm. For some reason, I was ordering crates of this Provence something mm. from the south of France. I was killing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then my daughter turned around, my teenager, the young one, and she said, Mum, you never drink like this. What's going on? You're drinking a bit more, Mum, than you normally do. And I'm like... Yeah, I am, aren't I? It's mm. a bit weird. And then I, I kind of saw that and I thought, hmm, that's not good. And then the, the lockdown stopped, didn't it? Yes. And then when the second lockdown came in, that's when I was like, I'm done. I can't do that again. I think it was the initial shock of lockdown. I think I, I've met a few people since who've given up as well since then. It's quite interesting. This lockdown has done a few things to people. Did that, yeah. take, that must have taken a lot of willpower and discipline. Yeah, well, you know what it is? I think... Drink, I say, is a creeper. Mm. It's a creeper. Mm. Suddenly, you're doing it all the time, but you don't realise it because in my game, entertainment, everything is lunch. You go out for lunch, you go out for dinner, you go... Mm. And every, the first thing, what do you want to drink? That's the first thing that happens. Sure. And suddenly, you're doing it all the time. But for some reason, lockdown was worse because you didn't go out. No. So suddenly it was all in. Mm. And, uh, and it so was too it, easy it was too easy. And then I saw myself getting into a pattern and I suddenly thought, my gosh, I never thought that I drank this much. But maybe I do, but didn't realise it. And then I said, yeah. she's got to go. Well, actually, you know, talking about all that in your career, you know, was there mm. ever a period in your life that, mm. other than lockdown when you look back on and you think, oh, dear, that that lifestyle was not OK? Well, you know, the thing is... In your I, businesses, particularly, I think. Uh, my, business is, my business is horrendous. Mm. Um, I was saying to someone the other day, uh, for me, my only problem was always loving... Because I love to party. Mm. But party for me is not 
drugs. Mm. <laughs> me in the party is a glass of drink in my hand. I'm on the table dancing to the music. Mm. <laughs> That's me, you know. I don't need... I've never been a drug person. It's not my thing. Mm. Um, but it's everywhere in my business. And so when I was in the industry... Um, I think a lot of people thought I was on it because that's just naturally what I'm like. Yes, yes. But I never wanted that because I think I saw so much of it growing up with people in my family and, you know, who had problems with all that stuff. And right. I really wanted to prove to my grandparents who brought me up, you know, and they were a massive part of my life, that they had this vision when I asked them to sign my first contract when I was 17 because I couldn't sign it without them. I was too young. I needed them to sign it for me. And uh, they said, we're only, we, we, we don't want to sign it because we know this music business is dangerous. Mm. And I promised them and I said, I'm going to prove to you that I'm going to be in this business and I will never become a drug addict. I promise you that. And I stuck to it um, because they were such amazing people. Yes. And um, that's why my last album, Gospel, was dedicated to them. I saw, I saw. Yeah. And they effectively brought you up. Yeah, the whole time. My yes. mum and dad are party people yeah. and they're great. And we saw them at the weekends, but... Grandma and Grandpa were ministers, and mm. so I was raised in a very, very strict upbringing, you know, and I mm. loved it. At the time, you know, it it was always music and Jesus. That was my whole <laughs> that was mm. my whole life. But you know, believe it or not, that kept me straight in the music industry. Well, it's true. You you were you were only a teenager when you know your first hit, My One Temptation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that was an international, global hit, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but going from the church mm. to this international superstardom, I mean, how did how did you cope? It sounds like your grandparents you have a lot to thank them for, right? Yeah, guess. they were great, but you know, you can't really to be straight. You can't you can't prepare yourself for that. Mm. I mean, like, I was literally just talking to uh, an interviewer yesterday about that because you know, one minute you're normal, Misha, going to church, mm. and you know your people who all know you in the church scene suddenly. I'm walking down the street, going to the shop, and I've got the whole street running after me. And everywhere I look, I'm everywhere. My, yeah, pictures of me everywhere. I'm on every screen. And yes. it, it, it was really and surreal. It felt like I... Do you know the way I describe it? It felt like, you know, like a hurricane? Mm. And you're in the middle of it, and you're just sat there. There's that quiet place. Mm. And that's what it felt like. I was in that quiet place, and everything around me Did was going... Did you feel going, quite lonely, actually, at the time? Totally lonely. That's why I got. That's why I got married so young. I mean, a lot of people always say that they go, "Why, like Adele or Spice Girls? Why did I get married so young?" You know why? Because you live life so much quicker. You know, I did in five years of my career, from the time I was seventeen to twenty, twenty-one. I had lived in America, had my own apartment at eighteen mm. by myself, toured the states, David Letterman, every major show over there. I was all over the place, mm. uh, Canada, Russia, you know, because in those days there weren't internet. So, so you, you had, had to, to physically travel. go there. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's really lonely. And I, I had my, my manager would sometimes fly out and hang out with me. And in the end, I just flew my mum out. I couldn't take it. I was, I was like, you got to come over now. Oh. I can't take it. So it was it was tough, babe. It was so, tough. So looking back on all of that, mm. I mean, did, did it? Did any of it ever go to your head? I mean, you're a teenager, yeah, you know, I we're all impressionable. I just have age. to tell you, I've got to give, yeah. you, I've got to give you a story about go that because you're going to laugh. <laughs> so one day, right, I'd just done Top of the Pops, which is like the biggest TV show here of at course. that time. And I came and my mum's rang up and she was like, we've got some 
people coming over to the house to visit, you know, make sure you come for dinner. And, you know, because they were all treating me the same, basically, mm. even though I was this big superstar now. And I went down to my mum down in Streatham, where she lives, and her beautiful house. And I walked in there and I sat down. I was all, everything was cool. And then my mum said, uh, yeah, uh, they're going to be here in a minute. And um, But there's another cousin that wants you to go and visit her and we have dinner. And I said, well, I can't because I'm public property now. Oh, my gosh. Who told me to say that? I had the whole family. <sighs> they all came down on me. Who do you think you are? Yeah, just because you're on the telly, don't mean that you did it. Babe, it was great. Oh, it was course. brilliant. Looking because Yeah, and I suddenly was like, check, get back in place, sit mm -hmm. down. Nah, won't be doing any of so that. Kept you humble and Kept grounded. me humble, yeah. But that was one episode that never happened again. Trust me. Yes. You don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> don't you don't have to tell that. me twice. Listen, that that chicken, rice and peas, baby, it's, it's not enough. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I need that in my life. So if I if I ever get out of line, I don't get it. You get all inside. So, so now, it. you know, um, <laughs> having achieved everything that you've achieved and, and you look back on your 18 yeah. year old self, <laughs> what, what, what advice would you give that person today? Look, <sighs> Do you know? Because I'm a person, I just don't look back. That's mm. probably one of my biggest problems. I never look back. I'm always going forward. And sometimes you do need to look back, you know. Sometimes you do need to just go, hang on. You've done all right, you know, Mish. You've done mm. a few. And I don't really have a lot of those moments because I'm too busy going forward. But if I was to look back on my 18-year-old self, I would. there's only one thing I would say. Don't trust anyone in this business. Mm. Because I was so green. Mm. <laughs> I just, because everybody's your mate and you buy it. For you know? a reason. You buy, right, but you can't see that. You're just so, and mm. I came out the church, which I was even more green. Do you know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> it was just like, everyone's so nice. <laughs> and then suddenly, oh, someone's just decided to nick your this or take your this or taken 25% of something or... So along the way, you learned the hard way, would really you say? Really learned the hard way. Mm. And, you know, uh, the most important thing is what I say to everyone is, you know, it's bumps and bruises, mm. but you just don't get bitter, get mm. better. It's really important that because you, if you allow that I bitterness like that. to say, yeah, it's true because I was, you know, in the beginning of my career, I was with everyone. I was hanging with people like Prince, Natalie Cole, well, Shaka yes. Khan and all these. These were my friends. I mean, this was crazy you know? because yeah, you're right. I mean, that really demonstrates just how much your life changed. You yeah, know, your, like overnight. Your, I think it was, and then and then, and then it carried on because your, your second album, Contribution, Contribution yeah. Um, there was one track written for you by Prince. That's right. If I love you tonight. And yeah. uh, that was great. Uh, Rakim, Eric B and Rakim. Yeah, he, he joined your he's tracks. lovely. He's such a I nice mean, boy. Yeah, you were barely in your twenties. Yeah, you know, that's just unbelievable. <laughs> Looking nuts. back on all of no, that, no, it's crazy. It's nuts. But I, I was one of these kind of precocious. I'm still the same. I'm this. I was a precocious sort of teenager. I was like, you know, I was in a studio in New York at making this album that I wasn't supposed to make because they, the, the record company wanted me to make the same album I made first. Mm. You know, but you know me, typical. I want to make a different album now. I know that was that. That's great. My one temptation is good, but now we're going to do a different thing now. And they were like, no, don't. You've got to do the same thing again. And I, so I went against the grain. But I'm in New York. I'm at Unique Studio recording my second album. And I walk past this, this door and I see Rakim in there. And I was just like, and that was when Paid in Full was, yes, you know, that's, massive. it was huge. huge. And I, you know me, I just couldn't help myself. I was just knocked the door. Hi, 
I just think you're so great. I really love you. I love that song as well. And and he goes, oh, thanks. I just saw you on BET, you know, because BET is like a huge TV show over there. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I goes, I've always wanted to work with you. And he goes, well, I'd love to work with you. And that was it. And literally, I just gave him the track. He got a little piece of paper, literally, like tore it out of a book and just wrote it there and just put it down. Amazing. You made that happen. How could you not? It's Rakim. He's there, you know. I, know, I mean, you could have said get out, but I was willing to your take age a risk. And, you know, you're just still growing up, <laughs> just in the public. But to make that happen, I was is amazing. Because when you're young, you don't have any fear. Mm. You know what I mean? All I was like, oh my gosh, it's Rakim. Gotta have him now. I was like that, you know. Looking back, if it happened now, I would just walk past. I wouldn't go near him. Do you know? What I mean? And Prince. Prince was different because I went to his after show party and. Um, the record hadn't even come out yet. It was literally about to come out in a couple of a couple of months. And I got the golden ticket, the after show. Took my best mate, went down there. It was packed. Everyone was there. Ronnie Wood, Mickey Rourke, you just name it. Eurythmics, everyone was in the room. But I didn't even, it's funny, I wasn't even looking at them. All I was obsessed with was Prince, you know, because I'd bought all his records. I used to hide them under the bed because my grandparents weren't having it, you know. So I used to hide them. So now he's there, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's here. And I'm looking at him and he's playing Purple Rain and we're all like, tears are in our eyes and we're all losing it. And then suddenly he stops and he goes, don't you sing? So I look behind me thinking oh, he's talking to somebody else. Don't you sing? And I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he started playing Just My Imagination. Oh, wow. And you know, we all know that song, right? Yes. For some reason couldn't remember the words so what I, I was nervous that's why I was terrified and then I just sang um it was just and then I held the note so I went it was just and then I held it like Bill Withers, Bill, like Bill Withers. forever and he went nuts <laughs> guitar was going off and then Ronnie jumped in and Ronnie started playing the guitar and everyone went mental and that's really how we met and then the next day he called up and said you can I join his band? And I said, I'd love to join the band, but I can't because I've just signed this deal and, and I'm just about to put out my record. And then he said, well, you know, I'd love to work with you. You remind me of Shaka, he said. And and I, I was just so flattered. And mm. then he flew me, I went out to Minneapolis and I was in Paisley Park with coffee and cream. And wow. he, you know, he was, he was over, I mean, you know, we were, it's so funny because I knew him for a long time. We had the same management for a long time as well. And uh, so he was in London a lot. You know, he used to live here quite a lot. A lot of people didn't know that. Okay. He was actually here for many years. Mm. And so we used to hang out a lot. And, you know, he'd call me at one in the morning and I'd go and meet him in a club. And there'd be no one in the club, just me and him and my sister. Because I always brought my sister. Because I was always a bit like, why does he want me around? I didn't, he didn't say much, you know. But he, but he didn't have to. Look, it's me, isn't it? I mean, I can talk for Britain. So it was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. He so didn't it was have like, the opportunity to, probably. <laughs> Poor man, he's probably still trying now, yeah. do you know, in the afterlife. But, you know, basically, I just would go and meet him and he and I'd be in the club with my sister. We'd be listening to music. And, you know, up to the end, he then he, I hadn't seen him for about three, four years. And then I had a call that he was at Camden and they said, Prince wants you to come down. And I went down to see him and, and I, I said to his manager, and I, because he didn't look the same, you know, he looked really thin and mm. he never looked thin. Mm. And he kept coming off and on the stage. And I said to his manager, he don't look right. Is he all right? And he looked at me and smiled, but I didn't know that that would be the last time. Oh. And I, a few months after that, he was, he was gone. Yes. And it's just funny because I, Tragic. it's the first place I met him and the last place I saw him. 
Oh. Bizarre, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, th those are all incredible stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very that, fortunate. That was, that'll be in a book one then, day. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm very, you know, I'm just super, I am very, very, very grateful about the journey that I've had, but it has been tough. So, so the last uh, pillar of, of wellness um, yeah. is sleep. And, yeah. and maybe in your case, meditation. I don't know. Do you embrace this as well? Are you looking at your sleep? It must have been very hard to to have regular sleep patterns, actually, with yeah, the business hard. that you're in. Yeah, we used to have to take melatonin, you know, because, you know, back in those days, we used to have the Concorde. If you remember the Concorde, uh, mm. we used to fly back. We, I'd mm. do a show in New York and I'd fly back to London for a show in London. Like, that's how we used to do oh, it. It was, goodness. oh, it was nuts. It was so different now. That's what I'm saying. Now you can do interviews in one room for the world. Mm. <laughs> it's great. Yes. But back then it wasn't like that. So I used to, you, they used to give us a melatonin which you can only get in the States. It's great, but you just have to take it at the right time. It's natural, mm. but you have to take it at the right time mm. so that you don't hit the jet lag, you know? Mm. I mean, these are the things we had to do because you were just knackered all the time. Mm. But the training is so good for sleep. Honestly, you, I sleep like a baby now. Mm. I, I really do. I still don't sleep, I mean, six maybe, six mm -hmm. hours and I'm good. But I'm not a big sleeper, but that's good for me. That's good for you. Oh, yeah. And that feels great. right for you. Fabulous. You I'm up, I'm ready. Dog, take the dog out. We're good yes. to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You mentioned uh, we talked about lockdown earlier, mm. and and I think you talked about physically how you cope with that. How did you cope mentally with that? And I think it's something that resonates with all of us. It's been such a tough year. It's so hard, without God. exception. So, so how have you coped? With I it? never realised how free I was. Mm. I I just didn't even acknowledge it because you just take it for granted. I will never take it for granted again. Let me tell you, that really taught me something. Mm. The good thing about lockdown for me was that I got to spend so much time with my daughter. I, it was, I mean, you know, usually I'm flying her out somewhere and she's meeting me somewhere and we're flying all over the place and we, holidays are our time to bond, mm. usually. Mm. It's Christmas, it's Easter and it's summer holidays. Mm. That's when she and I have our real mum and daughter time yes. because other than that we're flying in and out of each, you know I'm, I'm in Which and out quality time is it it it's isn't but you make time. it work you, yeah, you try yeah. to make it work you know you're on yeah. a plane you know I, I limited it you know mm -hmm. like literally made it like what, three times a, a month I travel as opposed to like every week I would make it like three times I never leave for more than six days to make sure that I see her you know I, I do stuff like that mm. but this was great because this was like we were together all the time and we bonded. Just reconnected. Almost. It was amazing. Yeah. And also it's amazing when I think how we made it work the other way as well. Because it's like, how does she even know me? <laughs> it's just, mm. But, you know, she, kids are so adaptable. Yes. Because yeah, it's the quality. Yeah, we as parents worry about them. But actually they... They're great. They, they really adapt, okay? And she was fabulous. And we would just spend most of the time going to Hyde Park all the time with the dog. We'd have our two hours a day. And I would always take her for a drive just to have yes. her not get stir crazy. Mm. And that's kind of how we dealt with it. I mean, mm. we got stopped once. The police were but like, you know, where are you going? Oh, we're just going to Hyde Park. Oh, OK, then. <laughs> <laughs> but that time with nothing else planned, that simple yeah. time together. It really was powerful for me, mm. honestly, because my other daughter who's married, they went to Bath because her husband's from Bath. And they stayed with their family down there. Um, um, so it was just my youngest that was with me, Russia. Mm. And oh, I swear we just connect in a way now. So do you know what's really funny? Even now we still have our drives. We oh, still do the nice. drives, right? 
Yeah. So there are positive things that have come out of this. Absolutely. Period. And of just reflection. Mm. Reflection and, and just the drinking, putting mm. the drinking down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just probably would never have thought of those things or mm. looked at those things if this they hadn't had a, I would have just carried on, right? Mm. But this has made you sit down and go, oh, you know, some of the choices I made, I was probably inebriated. And uh, I probably might have not made that choice had I not been. You yeah. know, little things like Bounty that. Judgment. Not massive, mm. but. You know what I mean? Just because I am quite a controlled person because you have to be in what I do. You can't be messy in my business. You have mm. to be on time because otherwise you don't get a good show. Do you know? So, but it was for me, the, the bonus of it was the, connecting with my daughter and just getting in touch with some of the things that are not so healthy. Talking of lockdown, you, you appeared twice. Last, well, <laughs> mo- I'm sure much, many more times than twice, but I remember two. One was a documentary which was really powerful, The Gospel According to Misha. Mm-hmm. And I think you looked at the origins of a number of gospel songs. That's and right. Traced it back to the days of the slave trade yeah. uh, through to gospel today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think coincidentally it aired around the time of you know George, George Floyd and the... It was crazy that Matic. because, yeah, it was around the same time the BLM protest had started. Yes. Tell us about your experience of all of that and how it resonated. And how well, it, it was felt. what was funny, Mario, was that we had filmed this documentary, the Christmas before this whole BLM thing started. Mm. That's what was funny. Mm. So in this documentary, it's all about civil rights. It's got all of that in it. And that was before this even happened. And the BBC literally called up and said they were planning to put it out. Uh, in September 2020 and then they went because of the BLM situation they Uh said we're going to put it out in May instead and we were like oh (laughs) so we had to you know it was a whole new plan everything Mm. changed but it's just interesting how that serendipity you know like Mm. you couldn't you couldn't time it you couldn't plan it but the BLM thing was was a very incredible moment I think for the world I think that everyone looked at that George Floyd situation and was just mortified at the mm-hmm. footage, you know. Because mm-hmm. I remember before when it happened with Rodney King, because mm-hmm. I was in LA then. The LA riots. Yeah, and I was there. I was in the riots. So oh, I was right. living there it then. It was the late 80s. Yeah, right. I was yes, there. Yes, yes. And I remember. So for me, it was like a, mm. it was a return of that situation. Mm-hmm. But this was different than that. Because for some reason, everyone was outraged. Mm. Every colour, creed, human was just torn apart by that mm. and that and and that's why this BLM thing was so impactful I think because it resonated everyone felt this and it might have been because of lockdown it might have been because of what was happening in mm. the world with this you know we've never had this before as a as a species we've never been locked mm. no. down like this is like a whole new thing so everything resonated in a different way I think mm. um, for me it even though I'm a person of color and I, of course, you know, my uh, my history is painful, you know. Mm. Um, equally, it's important for me to stipulate all the time that we are all human beings and that we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And yet we must highlight all the disenfranchised, you know, races, creeds mm. and whatever. But I do keep coming back to this thing that we are all human beings mm-hmm. and we're all in it together. And it mustn't be that we have to be careful that we don't, become too divided Mm. and make it all about race it's dangerous when that happens Mm. so um i for me it made me feel just more this whole thing has made me feel like i want to be more of a humanitarian i Mm. want us all to get together Mm. let's not 
make it too divisive, you know? And the, and the second time that I, I'm thinking of how you really made a very powerful impact was the Remembrance Sunday performance at oh, the Royal was, Albert Hall. I was so emotional that day. And your performance of Amazing Grace, yeah. which was a mm. real goosebumps moment. Yeah, oh, for me too. I mm. mean, we were. I was really choking back the tears, you know, because mm. I was with all the soldiers. And what you didn't see on the telly was I was with them before the performance and they were all telling me all their stories of who they lost. Uh, and some of them are really, really old, retired and oh, it's just, I see, I feel a bit emotional now. And they're just telling me all their stories. So when I went out there to sing Amazing Grace, that was tough because I was holding all their stories thinking, yes. don't cry, Mish, just don't do it. Um, <laughs> and they're just wonderful people. Just these are great people that mm. just get overlooked all the time. And um, I do quite a lot with them, you know, for Remembrance uh, Day. I, I, they're just fantastic people. Mm. So for me, it's an honour to try to touch them with music. Well, you delivered. Yeah, bless. Absolutely yeah. delivered. Um, what are you currently working on, Misha? What are you up to? Right now, I'm doing album number nine. And um, <laughs> and then um, I'm also, um, um, I'm writing my second book at the moment, mm -hmm. which is really um, intense <laughs> because there's kind of like a moment in the music industry. I hope these stories you told today are going there's to be Some in. of them are in there, yeah. yeah. And um, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's just... The music industry is having a bit of a shake-up as well, a little bit like the, the movie industry has. Mm. We're kind of having our little Me Too moment right mm -hmm. now. You saw it with Britney Spears' yes. documentary. So it's quite interesting. My book, which I've been writing for the last three years, is really like about the female experience in the music industry from my perspective. Mm. And I talk about some of my friends too, who are, who are well-known artists. It's, it's very hard for females in our business. Mm. And um, so I... The book is going to be really interesting. I'm doing that at the moment. So it's the book on the record. You do like to keep busy, Misha. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now, well, yeah. touch wood, yeah. we're returning to some sort of normality. Yeah. Are there any live performances planned? Yeah, we have a mini tour that's starting. Um, I start at Ronnie Scott's um, next month. I do four shows in Ronnie Scott's next month. And then we do some touring um, all around the UK which will be great. We're doing the Rye Jazz Festival. We're doing loads of shows. So just go on Misha Paris Soul mm -hmm. on Instagram and you'll see all the gigs that are coming so you're up. you're making up for lost time. Oh, we have to, because it's been, it's torture, you mm -hmm. know, for musicians. I really feel it for all the musicians out there. I'm always sending them love and hugs because not being able to do what we do and just go on mm. stage and just thrash and give it, you know, and having the audience there enjoying it. It's like, a, for, that, for us, it's, that's a death. So, Completely. yeah, all, all sectors have been oh, really hit, but music. has. Oh, been my gosh. I mean, bad. I was ready to go to Covent Garden with the hat in the hand. And, <laughs> do you know, but the problem was it was completely empty. There was no one there. So I was like, I better, well, I better go home then, do you know. So we're just trying to pack it all in, really, from, yes. you know, from the drought. And uh, God willing, you know, we can uh, get people back out having fun at shows again. So um, to round off, Misha, and what a, you know, it's been wonderful talking to you as always. But um, what are the rules that you live by, and and what's your parting shot? The advice you'd like to give listeners? It's really, really uh, important. I think is to understand how important it is to feel good in yourself, and that happens when you're just not toxic. It's the only way to say it. 
you know, because when you're not toxic, you're going to not be toxic emotionally. You're not going to be toxic with people around you. And the body is that way. It's like it doesn't work well when it's too much, too many toxins in it. I find that for me, what works is I pray in the morning and you don't have to do what I do. But, you know, I in the morning, I get up at six, I pray in the morning and then um, I take the dog out and I come back and then I do the the work and then after the work I then come to the gym in the afternoon and then I carry on with my work after that and then I go home cook do my thing and chill out and it's just nice and then you sometimes you go and you see your mates mm -hmm. and you have dinner with them or wherever you go or hang out with them it's just quality of life mm. it doesn't have to be like opulent you don't have to be wealthy none of that you just basically you just well-being is really about enjoying your moment and your life as it is and appreciating it. I just really feel grateful that my kids are normal. <laughs> you know, in fact, for me, it's a blessing because my industry, mostly when people have children in my industry, they don't turn out so well, you know, mm. and I've, I really thank God that my kids have turned out so well. It makes me feel good about well, my I life, think, yeah. you know. You're a role model for them. You you try to be, Mario. You know, we, we try, don't we? Yes. You know, you have to be honest with your kids. Yes. And, and I've always told them I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> that was a good start. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, that's that's a lovely way to end. Um, Misha, it's always a pleasure talking to you. With you too. Uh, the incredibly healthy, incredibly positive <laughs> and incredibly talented Misha Paris. Thank Thanks you so much, much, darling. Great. Thank no, you. Thank you. Fab. All right. Bye. Thank you.